Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome to you all. It is Friday, April 16th, 2021, the second Friday of the Easter season as we continue as a church throughout this 50-day celebration of Easter between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. But I'd like to talk about something that came to mind yesterday. April 15th is, I think, an important day in history. Uh, Naturally, it's an annoying day for many people as it is tax day. And it's a day in which people remember they need to file their taxes or at least their tax returns. But there are also two things that occurred on this day. Actually, both of them have a corresponding cause and effect in which the cause occurred on the 14th of April and the effect occurred on the 15th, the very next day. And both of these events are very important occurrences for the history of this country, the United States, and some would say even the world. And what these events are, first of all, it was on the 14th of April in 1865, just a few days after the end of the Civil War in the United States, that Abraham Lincoln was shot at Ford's Theater while attending a play, Our American Cousin, by an actor, John Wilkes Booth, It was on the 14th in the evening that Abraham Lincoln was shot, and it was on the morning of April 15th that he died, the first president of the United States to be assassinated. It was also on this day, 47 years later, to the day, in 1912, on the 14th of April, very, very late at night on the 14th of April, that the RMS Titanic struck an iceberg in the North Atlantic, and just a couple hours later, and having passed the threshold of midnight on the 15th of April, that the Titanic, a ship that was believed to be unsinkable, went down with 1,500 souls to the bottom of the sea. Both of these events are important historically, and one might even say culturally, and especially in light of what our nation, the United States, is going through in these last few weeks and these last few days, as we have seen uh, political upheaval, civil unrest, cultural upheaval, events that have really given people pause, a great deal of uh, upset, and a great deal of worry for the future of our nation Now, to begin with, looking at the event of the Titanic, I'm reminded of the story in Genesis of the Tower of Babel, one of the early stories in the book of Genesis, just a few chapters in. And it's more than just simply a metaphorical story on how God mixed up the languages and as a biblical story of how the many languages of the world came to be. But it's also a story about how God can, at times, kick us in our complacency when we become too sure of ourselves with regard to our own 
technological, social, political, cultural, scientific ingenuity. Because what does the story tell us? It tells us that the people came together and said, let us use our technology to make bricks, fuse them together in fire, and build a tower to the heavens. In other words, we don't need God to bring us to the heavenly realm. We can do it with our scientific technology. And the ego of human intelligence, the arrogance of human intelligence, was put to shame and slapped down, if you will, by God when he mixed up the languages of the people so that they could no longer communicate with each other and were therefore scattered throughout the world. In many ways, the Titanic is a modern world version of the Tower of Babel. What was the pride of the Titanic? The ship was such a product of modern, technological, scientific advancement that it was deemed unsinkable. It was the icon of the Gilded Age and was considered the safest ship in the world, so much so that they did not feel it necessary to have the proper number of lifeboats on the ship because, after all, this ship is unsinkable. And then not only did that ship prove wrong the attitudes of the time, but it proved them wrong on the ship's very maiden voyage. The ship did not even have a single completed voyage before an event happened that kicked us right in our complacency and showed us that our technological and scientific ingenuity is not really all that it's cracked up to be, and even less so when we become too sure of ourselves. And the result was, on the maiden voyage, think of that, on its maiden voyage, it's not like it was its fourth or fifth voyage, and even the Hindenburg, the great Zeppelin from Germany, was not on its maiden voyage when it blew up. But on its maiden voyage, the Titanic went down, taking with it 1,500 lives. And it was for the world, a kick in the pants, and a wake-up call that nothing, nothing of human ingenuity is infallible. 47 years earlier, Abraham Lincoln's assassination reminds us that while we are a nation going through a crisis, we are a nation that has been through many crises before, many that have been many times worse than the crisis we are facing today. And what are we facing? In the last year, we have been facing a cultural, a morale crisis, political upheaval that has been brought about by the coronavirus. Many would say that this whole crisis is human manufactured, and certainly there's a case to be said for that. It was released or escaped from the laboratory in Wuhan, China, spread throughout the world, but whether that was a natural occurrence or not, the panic and the crisis was very much a manufactured one by our media, by our politicians, and no answer was given that would give the people a sense of level-headedness. But it seemed the more information that came out, the more reporting that took place, the more of a sense of a crisis in which people's lives were in danger was spread and fostered in this country to the point that people entered a state of hopelessness. There are children who have been psychologically affected by this. Some have committed suicide. 
And even when this is over, there are going to be people who will never take off that mask, will never be sure of the safety and health of anything. And yet we remember on the occasion, the anniversary of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, that our country has been through crises before, far worse than this one. When we see the civil unrest that has occurred since May, seems every time you turn around, there's some issue with regard to the police, issue with regard to race, to the point now that I think people really aren't taking seriously the narrative that the media keeps giving us. It's something happens with the police, it's just check your watch before professional activists suddenly show up to wreak havoc through looting and burning and civil unrest. And people are growing weary of it to the point that the social justice issue is taking a back seat to the exhaustion that the people of this country have. And the worry about what's the next thing going to be that causes civil unrest? What's the next crisis that's going to occur that's going to cause such upheaval in our social structure, in our values, in things that are familiar to us? But we are reminded on this anniversary of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Our nation has been through many crises before, some of them unimaginable. I mean, think about it. Just imagine what it must have been like to live during the Civil War. And pick your side. We can imagine what it must have been to live through a very, very war-torn South, where most of the battles were fought, and of course it was the South that lost the war. But even in the North, that didn't see battle as much, but saw family members go off to war, saw economic and social upheaval because of the war. It was truly a crisis that tore our country apart. And yet we made it through that crisis. And there was really a sense, and there still is a sense among many Americans, that God is looking out for our nation. But sometimes it's hard to remember that. But we need to look back on our history, and that is where we will recognize it. Because you look at the crisis that this country faced, and you wonder... How did it ever come up with someone like Abraham Lincoln? And yet, this nation did. And yes, there is a real sense that God is looking out for us when you look at our history and how lucky this country has been. It has always managed to produce the right person for the right time. When the French Revolution produced Napoleon... The American Revolution produced George Washington, where Napoleon set himself up as emperor and dictator, assuming absolute power and bringing war to Europe. Our revolution produced George Washington, who after the revolution, he freely set down his sword and retired to private life before he was called upon to preside at the Constitutional Congress and eventually be elected our first president, where after two terms, he freely stepped down transferring power to the next man elected president, something unprecedented in the history of the world, while France got Napoleon. That's just one example. Ours was a nation who, for the first time, had a civil war and made it through intact. We conducted an election during a civil war in which the president was re-elected in the midst of civil war. 
And when you consider the attitudes toward Abraham Lincoln at that time, half the country hated Abraham Lincoln. And many were happy to hear that he had been assassinated. But we look back now at the history of that man, a one-term congressman from one of the farthest outposts of our nation at the time, Illinois. And you wonder how this nation ever produced someone like Abraham Lincoln to get us through that crisis. And it would only be a cynic to say that God is not looking out for us. And we look at examples in our history, and we can truly see and, and be grateful that our nation still has that sense that God blesses America. And when we remember the tragedy of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, we remember the many crises that our nation has had to endure, and yet it has managed to get through it by the grace of God and the leadership that our nation has managed to produce even in the midst of some of the great corruption that our nation has managed to produce. And it gives us hope, even in the midst of these trying times. But while we can have faith that God is looking out for us, we also know that every now and again, God gives us a nice kick in the ass of complacency when we get to be a little too sure of ourselves. And we are coming off of a time in which people are puffing themselves up a great deal, touting that they are people of science, that they are following the science. Not to say that I am not a person of science, that I don't trust science. After all, as a Catholic and one who knows history, I'm very much aware that science owes its existence to the Christian faith, and in particular, the activity and work of the Catholic Church. But as a Catholic and as a Christian, I do believe in science. I do believe in what science does, what it is there for, how it is valuable. But there are some who puff themselves up as somehow superior to anyone, let alone people of faith, when they say they follow the science. They are people of science. What does the science say? We must do what science dictates to us because if it's the science, then it's unsinkable. And we learn from that other event that celebrates an anniversary on April 15th. Just when we think we are so sure of ourselves, we get a nice kick in our complacency to warn us that we aren't as smart as we like to think we are. Smart, yes, but not as smart as we like to think we are. We are not so scientific as to be infallible. And when we are fallible, more lives perhaps are lost. And so it's two lessons that we learn on the anniversaries of April 14th and 15th. And we can put that together with the fact that April 15th is tax day. Because we are reminded that as citizens of this country, we are called to do our duty. And alas, part of our duty is paying taxes. If we think the taxes are too excessive or that the money is not spent responsibly, part of our duty as citizens is to make our voices heard, and especially when we vote at the ballot box. We cannot be complacent as active citizens who have a duty to keep this country going, to keep it honest, to keep it virtuous. The institutions of our nation only have as much integrity 
as we, the citizens, allow it to have. But when we grow complacent, that's when we see things corrupted and grow more and more decadent. One example I often like to say, even in the context of a homily, is that the city of San Francisco, where I serve as a priest, is one such example of what can happen if people get too complacent over time. San Francisco used to be one of the most Catholic cities you can find. It was a very, very Catholic city. Time was when the fire chief would not be appointed without consulting the Archbishop of San Francisco. It was once a very, very Catholic city. Now, it is one of the most anti-Catholic cities in the world. And among the worst anti-Catholics are themselves Catholic. But even the Catholics within the city, who I blame for the city being the way it is, they sat back complacently, we sat back, quietly and complacently, hoping that the trends we saw were just temporary and would go away if we just didn't cause any problems or cause any waves or let someone else take care of the changes and the upheaval that they were seeing in the social and cultural fabric of this great city. And the result is the city that we see today, a very beautiful city, but looking down deep, we see the decadence of the poor and the impoverished, the homeless on the streets, the trash, the human waste, the political corruption, the contempt for people of faith, and the hostility toward anyone who disagrees with the mainstream, and this in a city that prides itself on its tolerance. San Francisco was held up as a laughingstock of how bad things can get. And it didn't have to be that way. But complacency among its citizens, and especially among people of faith, led to this. Complacency in our ingenuity, and our technological advancements, and our scientific knowledge, led to the disaster of the Titanic. And every now and again, God gives us a swift kick in our complacency. But we are never without hope because as a, a nation and a nation of believers, a nation of people of faith, a nation that still is at its heart and at its core, a Christian nation, a Judeo-Christian nation, not an atheist nation. The motto of this country is still, in God we trust, and we are still one nation under God. We recognize how God in many ways has looked out for this country as we remember the assassination of Abraham Lincoln that God has and will get us through this present crisis because he has in the past. And so these are thoughts that I have on this anniversary of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln and the sinking of the Titanic that happened on the same day, just 47 years apart. God's looking out for us. And every now and again, we need to get kicked in the pants when we are a little too sure of ourselves, and especially with regard to our scientific knowledge and ingenuity and sense of infallibility. And as a nation, remembering tax day, we remember that as people of faith, we are called to do our duty by the nation in which we reside. We are called to be good citizens in paying our taxes, serving on juries, serving in the military, 
if we so choose to do so. Raising our families so that our children are good, responsible citizens and good, faithful Catholics who are part of our church. And so as we remember these anniversaries on this tax day in 2021, let us not get so sure of ourselves that God needs to kick us in our complacency. But let us not be too discouraged in what we see, because we know time and again, God has seen this country through even the worst of crises. We have been truly blessed and very fortunate as a nation. Don't be so arrogantly complacent. And remember that in deference to God and out of loyalty to this country, to do our duty and have that impact we are called to have as voters and citizens of this great country. So thank you for letting me share my thoughts and I'll talk to you again soon.